One question can change the direction of your entire life. When Tommy Urich was growing up in Australia, his father worked 80 hours a week on construction sites. Tommy would often tag along with him and they'd spend their days talking about football like a lot of sons and fathers. But one day, his dad turned to him and he said, Tommy, do you ever imagine a stadium of 50,000 people chanting your name? This is the story of Tommy Urich's journey to the World Cup. got a younger brother, mom and dad um, were living probably out west from Sydney, a good maybe half an hour to an hour away um, from the central of the city, by the stadium of a, it's an old NSL club, um, old, um, they still exist and they're still playing in NSL Sydney United, which is um, Croatian heritage um, kind of club, which is my background as well. So. My parents are from, from Croatia. Um, my mum's my born in Croatia, my dad's born in, in Bosnia, um, you know, to Croatian parents and, and family. I remember uh, Alyosha Osanovic coming. Um, he's a famous uh, Croatian footballer, um, played for the national team many years. And I remember him coming for, I think it was three or four guest games it was, and I remember watching them. Um, at the stadium, uh, Boca Stadium, they used to call it, and I think it still is called that. And I think that's, I started off younger than that, you know, just kicking the ball around in the backyard and, and whatnot, but um, I think, you know, around probably the age of nine, ten um, was when I really started to, to kick on, and, you know, you could tell that kids can play or they can't play, you know, you got that kind of distinction and you can tell, and just from um, thoughts and, and um, you know, comments of my father throughout the years, um, I, I understood that you know, one day I'll, you know, football be could become a profession. And my, my father's a builder, um, he had construction and all that. So I remember we, uh, we were building this one house um, not far from this stadium I just spoke of, and I remember one day my dad coming home and he brought uh, a dog. He brought home a dog. Um, and he was a, a cross of a German Shepherd and a cattle dog, an uh, Australian cattle dog, something like that. Um, so he was black and he had a white chest here. And I remember, I think dad was doing the garage, so it was a dig out garage. Um, into the ground and it was all mud and it was raining that day and as you know my old man came there he's brought this this dog and I remember the first thing was when he gave it to me he put him down and he ran into the mud where he was where my dad was building the, the garage and me just being me as a kid um, full of energy and whatnot straight with him into the mud um, and, and just played with him in there for ages and ages while dad was building and that. So obviously at the end of the day, um, I'm full of mud, eh? So um, his name was Rocky. I remember we named him Rocky. I was basically like his apprentice. I started off going with him very early and I actually worked with him. Um, so I think I was about 11 years old, 11 to 12 years old, 
was when I started to go, um, you know, give him a hand um, after football on Saturdays. Um, you know, he'd come to watch my game. So he'd work Saturdays, obviously. My games, at the younger you are, um, the earlier you start. So as the years go on, you know, you, you start an hour later, two hours later, etc. Um, so starting off young, um, my dad would come and watch a game. He'd go to work, come and watch a game. And then after the game, he'd wait for me, have a quick shower, and then I'd go and, and help him for the rest of that Saturday. Um, but the first time I remember helping him was, um, was by the airport in Sydney. Um, it was a night job, so you know, I got the next day off school, which I was really happy about. Um, and we started, I think it was about 8 p.m. till about 5 in the morning. And the first thing I remember doing was there was a set of tiles at the entry. Um, and he got me to, I remember getting a chisel, and he got me to chisel all the tiles off. So that was my job for the night. I think when it came about 11 o'clock, I was that tired. My dad was drilling and whatnot um, at the side, and I was that tired that I just, uh, you know, got knocked out basically. I was, I was so tired. So um, I think I slept all the way till five in the morning. I did what I had to do, kind of thing, um, with, you know, a little bit left over, but. Um, I could go and you know at the side and, and and help him out while he was working you know full time school holidays. Um, without a doubt, it was two weeks of a chance to me make you know probably fifty bucks a day or something like that. You know, it was amazing pocket money for a for a twelve year old. Um, you know, first I don't know PlayStation or something. Um, but that got quickly taken away. My dad's not a, a big fan of that, so. Um, he always tell me, he's old school, tell me, read a book or something or, you know, go for a run and go and train. And I always wanted to be a, a football player, always to play and, and to, to be a professional. And, and that started off, obviously, at a young age. But I think at, in those areas of seven to oh, even, even to probably about 16, 17, imagine playing in front of, a full stadium of 50,000 people and you've scored a goal and the whole stadium is chanting your name, you know. That's, that, was, that was a big thing of my father and something that he always said, okay, imagine that, you know. And then I would, you know, I'd, I would imagine and I'd always think, you know, like, I get goosebumps just thinking of it. So it gives you that kind of motivation as a kid um, you know, to actually get the ball and, you know, go kick it in the backyard or go to your local park and, you know, run around with it, just wall. We used to have, we used to have a wall not far from where I used to live in the park and we used to go after school. My father would come home from work, five o'clock. I'd make sure I had my homework done. Um, so in Australia, I'd go to school from nine to three and then obviously the evening's off. Um, and... By three to five, I'd be home, quickly do my homework, like I wasn't big on school, so just get it done, what needed to be done, and straight get ready my boots on and get to the park, you know. So we'd spend always a good, you know, hour to two, two and a half hours in the summertime um, as the day was longer to, you know, to just kick the ball around, uh, play, um, uh, whatever that may be. Um, all sorts of training and what knowledge my father had of football, which compared to you know where I'm at now is obviously not a lot, but what he knew he could pass on and give to me, which is you know what got me to a certain point. 
without a doubt, from 365 days of the year, mate, we would, 250 of them we'd be in the park. So, yeah, I think that was the most um, we used to speak about was um, just kind of getting them. I think when I look back at it now, I think that's just what he wanted me to envision, you know, just to set my own goal, set myself um, an own objective to, to get to, to reach to. So um, I think I've, you know, to a certain point accomplished that. Obviously there's there's more to come and more to go. And um, But I think as a young age, I think that was the main thing that we used to speak about and, and, and just to get me to that point. To represent your country, it's a different feeling. It's a for me, that's not an individual success. That's a, a team success. That's something that you share with. You know, Australia's got 25,000 uh, million people. That's something I share with them. Um, but for a club, you know, it's much smaller amount. It's much more um, tight, neat. I could say. Um, you know, you're against. It's the same as the national team, but it's just much uh, smaller of you um, amount of you. So. Um, I think it was just in general just to get that, you know, vision of, of, of thinking that and a bit of motivation to, to push yourself forward. A lot of the Balkan families would understand where I'm coming from. It's just that mentality, um, you know, very old school kind of um, way of growing up. And, and I think nowadays um, that's deteriorating a little bit. Um, you know, as we move on in, in our generations, but um, looking back on um, how we were, look, my mum wasn't too bad, which I was lucky enough because she was, um, she stayed at home a lot, like she didn't have a job and that. Um, she helped my dad run his company, the building company and whatnot. My dad was very strict and he was a guy I was scared of, you know, and even sometimes today I'm still scared of him, you know, which is just, just a father thing that he has. Um, I don't know to compliment him on that or not, but for my, I think it was my 13th birthday or 12th birthday, I got a PlayStation, right? So my dad hates this thing. And so I'd plug it into the telly and I'd hide it in the, um, the little compartment underneath the TV. So he never goes there and checks it. There's nothing in there for him, so he, he doesn't even go, go near it. So I've, I've always put it in there and plug it into the telly every time I play it. So Every time I'd hear a car outside stop, so I'd run to the window, I'd check out the, out the blinds, and I'd check if it's his van, right? So his, his work car. I'd check if it's his. If it's not, I'd come back, relax, sit down and continue playing. But when he'd come and rock up, mate, that thing would go in there quicker than you could click your fingers, eh? So hide it, you know, whatever. Because as a kid, all the other kids used to have it and that. I was the only one in my house that never had it. My mum was like easy, she'd let me and, and whatnot, but my dad, nah, he'd be one of those old school, go read a fucking book or whatever, or um, you know, do your homework or study something. Or All Balkan parents, Croatian parents, Serbian, uh, you know, from the former Yugoslavia, um, Son had want to be a lawyer, doctor, um, I don't know, all these, you know, big occupations. That's, you know, something to be proud of, you know, my son's a lawyer. 
you know, something like that, if it's not sport, you know what I mean? So my dad was, my dad was for the sport thing, but he'd always be like, you've got to fucking learn, you've got to um, read, educate yourself, you know, you're training your mind and all that. I understand, like now when I look back on it, I understand where he's coming from. But as a kid, you're like, just give me a bit of a PlayStation or Xbox or something and let me chill out and, and whatnot. And yeah, that was, um, that was something growing up there, but it was always, so, you know that thing where you're like, maybe even your parents would be the same um, and you'd ask your mum a question and she'd be like, go and ask your dad and your dad would be like, go and ask your mum, you know, and then you're like stuck in between, you don't know who to ask, mum or dad, and then you just give up on the whole idea. But I, I think now, when I look back at that, that that's planned, that they, they say to each other, you know, if they, if they ever ask us a question, you tell him, go and see your dad and my mum, she'd be like, do that and then my dad would be like, go on, just see your mum, I'm too tired or something and then it just dropped the whole idea, you know what I mean? And it worked a lot of the time when I look back at it now but I might use that on my kids one day. You know? um, I don't remember playing any other games but FIFA, I think FIFA 2003 was the first one I had. When I was growing up, Tim wasn't an out-and-out striker. Tim was more of a midfielder, attacking midfielder kind of thing. Um, it wasn't until, I think, when he moved to, to Everton, I think it was, or he was in Millwall, he was scoring goals, um, which I don't remember too well because that was you know, ages ago. Um, but when he was in Everton and he moved with David Moyes, um, I remember goals, 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 goals. So that's the first time I think I remember him as a centre forward, as a striker. So the main guy I used to watch when we played, when Australia played, was Mark Viduka. Um, and everyone knows him from the Prem and, and whatnot. So, and I always kind of felt that I resembled him um, as a player growing up and I kind of played the same way. And that was someone that I always used to watch as a player, as a striker, um, with the national team growing up. You had the likes of Tim, Harry Kuehl, who had an unbelievable career. Um, you know, Vinnie Grella, Mark Schwartz as well, as a goalie. But playing striker, that's the player that I always used to watch. And number nine, my favourite number, he used to wear it. Um, he was a captain, you know, 2006 World Cup. That was when... I always thought that was someone that I, I could take and, and learn a lot from. And we got knocked out by Italy because of Fabian Grosso's dive. That's the thing I remember the most, his dive. That's what ruined it for me. That was the worst. That was, that was bad. Like we, everyone gets up in the morning, you know, like in Australia, it's, we're watching the game at 4 a.m., you know, 3 a.m. in the morning. And you wake up and then you just see that. And that, that was, this a, it was a killer for me. It was a killer. It was a killer for everyone. And I think if you ask anyone what was the thing you remember the most about it, was that dive. Um, and probably when we, we beat Japan as well, um, when Timmy grabbed two goals in that game. But that dive was the thing that kind of ended it for us. And it was sad to go out that way. 
it was sad to see that happen to you know a bunch of guys that you know put in an unbelievable effort um, in all three games in the group stage and um, and then in that game and to to lose it um, in that fashion was you know like I said it was a killer. It's hard to explain to you know Australian and, and a Croatian you know why, but you just do because you know you have both of that in your blood. But my parents, you know, now I play for Australia. Um, my younger brother plays for the young Australian team on the 21s, 23. Sorry, um, there's there's nothing there's nothing there for them to you know really. There's nothing better for them, I think. And their words, not mine. They're, that my son plays for Australia. There's no better feeling. And how can we not support Australia? Then you know. So um, I think their heart and soul goes into every match. You know, for Australia. Being with an Australian, once I put that shirt on, um, once that anthem played. Like I said to you before, when I when I decided to play for Australia, it just felt right. It just as it went on, it just felt more and more like I made the right choice. And I just can't take a step back. I just keep going forward when I put on that shirt. Um, and a lot of people get asked the question, how does it feel? But it's exactly like everyone tells you. I can't, I can't describe it. I can't describe it. So it's something that you feel most proud of. Um, Looking back at how you grew up and everything you went through, I'm from there. I'm born there. Um, I grew up there, and it doesn't matter how hard it, it was for me, or what kind of path it put me on. It's always going to be home, always. The first thing coming into camp for me, Holger Osiek. So he's a he's a coach. Um, greeting him. Um, saying hello, so we had a camp, I think we had a camp in Central Coast, I think it was, on the coast in, well, that was 2013. Um, we did some training and whatnot, and we played, I think we played a friendly game against, I think it was the Mariners, I think it was, it was in the local league. We played at their stadium, that's right, that was there. Um, that was a long time ago for me. I don't remember what I ate this morning, let alone back then. So we've walked, the first thing when you walk into camp is we're in a hotel, um, you meet everyone, um, and I'm nervous, I'm ner I don't know what to expect, um, I don't know, you know, how to act, um, the rules, you know, I know there's rules everywhere you go, there's rules, um, uh, how to, I don't know anyone, you know, it's all new, it's all new, um, and the, the biggest thing is was, I never got selected in, you know, any of the younger teams and all that. So I, I really don't know anybody. Um, I know I'm from, you know, watching on telly or playing against them or something like that. But personally, I don't know um, um, anyone. So I think it was we sat down at lunch and dinner and whatnot, and um, you know we've got introduced and everyone's there now. And the, the bosses said, you know, welcome. You know, this is what it's for. Blah blah blah. I think it was Archie Thompson played at Melbourne Victory at the time. The first thing I think that I remember him after the dinner and that what he said was, "Okay, new boys, sing initiation song, 
not not at that time, but by the end of the camp, that's what needs to be done. And I was like, yeah, I'm kidding. That's not good for me. So I'm not good in front. When you put me out there, like on the pitch, I'm fine. And people are there watching. I'm comfortable because I'm in my element, in my zone and whatnot. But when you got to put me up and i got to sing in front of someone or do a speech or something, that's where I choke. So I'm bad at that, right? So I remember going back to my room. I started looking online. What are the easiest songs for me to like remember? People will catch on to it and, and sing about it and whatnot. And I think of, I sang Elvis Presley, Hound Dog. So that was so simple. Everyone knew it. No one sang along. It was, a, it was embarrassing. It was terrible. Um, I got it over and done with, which was good and I was happy about. But it was not something that I want to go back over and, and think about and explain. And even saying this doesn't make me feel comfortable. <laughs> I want to say thanks to my parents for what they did for me, um, to my family, to my brother. Going back on to that um, point where I told you the thought process of my dad, if we're going to move over overseas and, you know, that it's good for us, that we need something more and, um, you know, myself and my brother as players. So I just wanted to basically say thank you for... Um, all the support and everything they did and for me throughout the years and um, even, you know, mum waking up every morning at 5am and driving me to, to school training, um, you know, before school. We get there at 6 o'clock and we train until 7.30, so um, two, three times a week we do that. Those are sacrifices and things that, you know, I'm sure a lot of professional players have and, um, and can thank their families for and that, you know, but just to say it, you know, to my parents and, but that goes back to growing up in that, you know, that Croatian household. Um, so that's something that I brought home out to the other people, you know, to see. And I always thought, you know, we're, Australia's a multicultural country. And I thought, you know, I was gotten to that point where we mentioned, um, where I just felt comfortable in just being Australian and, you know, and us Australians, we all talk about it, you know, everyone's welcome and, you know, everyone should be able to call Australia home. And being a multicultural country, I felt that I could feel free to, to, to do it in, in, in Croatian and, um, you know, whether people got offended by that or not, um, I know why I did it and I had my, my personal reasons for it. But, yeah, basically it's that simple just to bring, you know, my, my household that I used to have to keep separate from, you know, from school and, you know, uh, my everyday life, I could bring that out, you know, for everyone to see. I said this to our teammates, it was in, a, it was in an interview as well, and uh, the fellow from the national team, Benny Coonan, he did a piece of, um, of us winning the Asian Cup and things like that, and throughout this qualifying campaign that we did for the World Cup, and he asked me, what was your thought? Like, you had the ball and you had a shot and then the ball came back and um, to one of their players and you went and won them back. And I stopped him and I said, yeah, but 
I, when I had that shot, it was going top corner. Like I could see it, you know, it got blocked. But no one believes me, and they still don't. But um, a little bit of a joke there. But um, the balls ended up going um, off my shot, deflected, and one of the defenders have, have, have uh, won it. And I remember our coach at the time, Ange, he always was nagging on about just try to win that ball back quickly, you know. And, you know, obviously I've reacted and, and done that and, and I've won the ball back in the corner. And um, I think I was alone in that area and I wasn't quite sure what to do. And um, I, as I looked, I think there's a moment you can see as well, I looked back behind me and I saw one more player coming. Um, so I've tried to kind of keep the ball in that corner um, and I've got knocked down once, twice, and that's when I saw that player coming in. And I, I think that's when just instinct took over. Put it through his legs, I went around the side, and I saw our left back. So he scored a goal like that. I think it was in the semi-final against uh, UAE. Um, and he scored a goal like that where it's come on the second post and he's tapped it in. And I saw him there in the, kind of the same situation. And... I've put it there, like, you know, try, kind of whipped it in hard on the ground so he could get to it to see if the keeper wouldn't get to it. And the goalkeeper's gotten to it and he's put his hand to it and it's just fallen to James Treasy. Just put it in, hey. So, um, and then just exploded the sound. But I couldn't believe it. Like, I think I started running. I've never done it before with my hands in the air. Like, I never run like that. And it, it felt weird holding my hands like that, but I didn't think of it at the time. It just went because I couldn't believe it, that it went in. And I remember watching the replay back and after we've gone to celebrate and the, the Korean fella is just lying on the ground with his, hand, uh, with his head in his hands. Yeah, and that moment, wow, that'll live with me for a, a long time because that doesn't happen every day. <laughs> That resemblance of everyone screaming your name as a personal thing growing up as a motivation for you. Um, when you do it for Australia, it's different because they don't need to chant your name. They need to chant the name that's on the front of the T-shirt, um, which is Australia's. I look forward and I, I believe that we can do something and make a difference there. You know, we're eager, which is, I think, the most important thing. And we're hungry to, to showcase that, you know, Australians, we're not well known for football and, and we understand that and we know that. But I think it's time for us to show people that that's not true and that we can play and that we, we can give something and we can make our game grow in the country. So... I think that's most important for us is that when we come back of this, uh, after this World Cup, that when we go home, that people see and people notice that, you know, we do have a future in this sport. Um, this country has a future in this sport and that it will continue to grow um, and then more people will get involved and generations and generations and generations.